Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Smart Cities Chronicles, your podcast for everything Smart Cities action, investment and outcomes. My name is Adam Beck. I'm host of the Chronicles, uh, my day job, Executive Director at the Smart Cities Council for our Australia and New Zealand region. Uh, I'd like to welcome you to episode 83 today, uh, and we're going to talk all things data exchange. And joining me today, I have Merrick Spain, who is CEO of Civic Analytica. Merrick, thanks so much for joining us today. Good morning, Adam. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Love to join up and uh, share some thoughts on some important topics. Certainly looking forward to that today, Merrick, um, and digging into this uh, this sort of idea of data exchange. But let's um, let's firstly get our listeners acquainted with uh, who you are and what you do. What can you share with us? Sure. So, uh, Adam, I, I I was the founder and uh, and currently leading Civic Analytica, as you said, uh, and we're a business that is focused on changing. The, uh, the challenges that most organizations uh, face in extracting value from data. Um, in the years leading up to setting up this business, I led the Smart Cities uh, business for Australia's largest telecommunications and technology service provider. And uh, that's obviously where, where we met. And uh, in, the, in the years towards the end of that, I grew increasingly concerned about the kind of global vacuum as I like to put it, um, that existed in terms of the fact that, um, you know, there's, there, there are less than a handful really of, of organisations who are truly leveraging um, the power of, of data and we really have to change that. So, so that's what our business is about. Our, our mission is to, to change that. We, we call that data for good um, and, and that really means democratising the power of data so that every organisation, no matter what sector, no matter what size, uh, is put in a position where they are able to take part effectively in, you know, this uh, this digital century and uh, extract the value that they need to out of not only their own data but um, but third party data sources as well. You, you know, it's a um, it, it's sort of a, a topic and agenda that's very easy to talk about, right? We say things like data is the new oil. You know, we're drowning in data. Let's just generate value. Let's sort of um, you know, make better decisions. Very easy to to talk about all of this stuff, and and you certainly uh, are, are a very clear uh, advocate um, for this idea that um, you know data is the most abundant resource that we have, and probably the most valuable resource that we have. And it's sort of imperative that we uh, build um, greater sort of structure and diligence and opportunity around data. Um, and 2020, I suppose, in some way has, you know, shown us that uh, I think if we sort of do a little bit of a postmortem, um, you know, those that had an element of, you know, data literacy, they, they sort of had uh, arrangements in place or levels of maturity that allowed them to share data. I suppose I'm referring to, you know, various levels of government at the moment that, you know, that they were in a better place to, to sort of really get some good decisions made and, and helped solve complex problems. Um, from a, from a data perspective, Merrick, what, what did, what has 2020 kind of shown you any, any thoughts on that one to start with? 
It's interesting, Adam. I kicked off the year with some pretty strongly worded posts to our website blog, uh, kind of prompting and, and pushing uh, a narrative around the fact that this needed to be the year when uh, industry and government both more broadly started to uh, really take more, um, uh, you know, practical action in terms of, uh, you know, what they're doing about data. And, um, and obviously, as COVID sort of uh, struck, um, there was a period there where, um, you know, I had uh, personally uh, some doubts as to, as to whether that cry for action was going to be kind of, uh, you know, um, taken hold of. But, but I guess, you know, strangely, I mean, even though COVID to some extent uh, represented a bit of a distraction for a while, especially in the, in the first two, three months as people started getting their heads around uh, this new reality and, and how, to, how to find a new normal within that. Um, you know, the other thing is I think uh, COVID has actually done, uh, like some of the memes floating out there, has done, uh, you know, uh, significantly positive things in catalyzing um, a, you know, level of concentration around this challenge, partly because we all as individuals woke up every morning looking at the news to see what the data was about COVID-19 and and I think somewhere in the subconscious <clears throat> that um, that kind of made us realize that you can't possibly navigate an increasingly complex world where we're all required to be agile and kind of get stuff done and respond to you know disruptive forces um, without a, a much uh, you know stronger foundation that is kind of uh, you know embedded in the idea of being data driven. So so I think in hindsight it's it's done a lot of good um, actually. You, um, you, you speak about this idea of um, the diversity of data. Um, you know, there's various different data sources and, and more and more data gathering and data sources coming online, you know, literally, you know, every, every waking hour. Um, I, I've heard you say in the past that diversity is really at the central to the idea of the value of data. Um, mm. um and as I said, that ain't going to change anytime soon. Talk to us a little bit more about this um, this sort of thinking and logic behind, you know, the the importance of diversity and how it can sort of start to uh, help bring some some value. And and of course, I, only when we we realise the opportunity of you know creating value are we likely to sort of act and invest, right? I mean, it's this interesting sort of cycle, you know, of, well, how much effort, how much money do I invest in sort of, you know, uh, managing, exchanging, sharing, opening data versus what's the value I'm creating? Can you talk about the, the role of diversity of data in that? Yeah, that's that's a, that's a, um, a critical part of our thinking on this, Adam, um, as... Uh, as data has kind of proliferated the conversation that most people have been having for a number of years now. Um, and, and data is certainly not a new thing, but, um, but I think it's, it's, it's certainly, you know, become kind of that, that hyped up flavor of the month in the last uh, few years. Um, you know, we, we looked at some of the emerging models around measuring value. And, and obviously you have to start from a foundation of, of kind of, uh, you know, as organizations and leaders, 
you know, accepting that data has value uh, in principle and building a culture, which, which I think is actually one of the big challenges that we have to face in this, uh, a culture that, 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 you know, notionally values data. But specifically, when you think about that, you know, one of the most commonly used models is the five Vs, which talks about volume and velocity and, you know, veracity and, and uh, those sorts of factors. And, and, and that's helpful. Um, but, it, but it's a little bit academic in a way, because what it does is it kind of ignores the practical challenge uh, of, okay, that's great. Yes, we understand how those variables impact the value uh, of data. Um, but how, you know, what does that actually look like in a real world scenario where organizations are challenging to move, challenged to move the needle on any of those things, right? Um, so, so we came up with this kind of idea of this new, let's call it a composite measure, which we think is uh, far more practical. Um, and the context for it really is, and I'm, I'm going to use some kind of analogy here to make it clear the direction that we decided to go in, was that, um, you know, in, in a world where, uh, where there are a few very dominant organisations, and they are the only ones who are able to effectively participate and extract value at scale from, from digital assets, um, which is, you know, what we like to call data. Um, in that world, there has to be an alternative approach for the rest of us. Um, and, and, and the challenge is that unlike those organisations, the rest of us don't have all the data that we uh, need. We don't have uh, all of the skills that we need. We don't have all the technology that we need. And so there's this kind of um, analogy going back to the days of the feudal system where, you know, you had the kind of lord of the land and, and they controlled the means of production and, and kind of everybody else was kind of, you know, unable really to, to rise above, um, you know, the level that they, uh, you know, that they occupied. But one of the really fascinating things, and there are still remnants of this in, uh, uh, in today's industry and, uh, and economy, um, was the, the rise of, of the cooperative. And the cooperative was this way of recognizing that, uh, you know, if you do not individually as organizations have the means with which to overcome the challenges you face, uh, the most effective approach to that is uh, what we call an ecosystem approach, which is the recognition that if we bring together um, organizations who are each struggling and are challenged but have an appetite and aspirations that are headed in the right direction and they also have uh, potentially complementary skills resources assets funding etc cetera, etc cetera, you're able then uh, you know potentially to solve some of the individual challenges and so diversity was this composite term that encompasses all of those key foundational and more theoretical value drivers for data um, but uh, it enables you to view, uh, um, you know, the, the, the challenge of increasing the value of data through the lens of creating these ecosystems of engagement. And that's what we describe as, as diversity. Um, if, you, if you take an ecosystem approach to data, um, you are then able to drive the value of data for that ecosystem uh, which we have notionally called the diversity of data that is available, which speaks to the fact that you can increase the volume, that you can increase the variety, that you can put in measures to uh, ensure 
that there is veracity in that kind of universe of, of digital assets that you're using. So that's the kind of core idea behind this new composite measure uh, uh, for the value of data we call diversity. On value, Merrick, let me ask you a very pointed question. I'm sure there's, there's many of our listeners that are thinking this. Where does where does open data sit in this conversation around the idea of, of data exchange? You know, we, we are familiar with open data as a concept and also data sharing. Um, we're now, in, you know, we're now sort of here talking about the idea of data exchange. Can you, can you do a bit of a lay of the land for me? Can you, yeah. how do these pieces fit together? Does one trump the other or vice versa? What, what, what are your views on this? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because the open data movement, and it, it has been a movement um, really, has, has, uh, has brought significant uh, impetus and momentum to the global conversation around data uh, and has certainly helped many organisations to start recognising that there's value. Um, I, I guess, you know, what the open data movement has done is, is one... Uh, make organisations uh, recognise that there is value in data and that they need to do something with it. Two, uh, given that, uh, you know, you're mostly talking about the public and third sectors uh, are recognising that that value essentially belongs to their constituents um, and therefore that value should be made available to their constituents. Um, and, and then in practical terms, um, that puts organisations in a position where they kind of have to go do something, right? They have, to, they have to take an inventory of what it is that they've got. They have to do a little bit of work, sometimes a lot of work, frankly, to try to clean it up and get it into some kind of usable, uh, practical condition. They have to obviously go through um, the, uh, uh, the work associated with identifying what is appropriate to be open as opposed to what is not because it might contain personally identifiable information or other, you know, sensitive types of data. Um, and so that's all good. That's great. Those represent fantastic steps. The challenge, though, is that um, the end game of open data, uh, I think there is now um, increasing global consensus. Uh, that has not been for many people the silver bullet that they had hoped it would be, and uh, and in fact, it it uh, you know largely speaking, it's it's been very difficult to to measure uh, what, what value is actually being derived from that. So, uh, you know, open data should remain a facet of the public sector and third third sector, um, you know, and and how they approach data. But I guess our argument is that that is a step in the journey. Um, but as is so often the case. Uh, you know, organisations, we, we tend to be fairly short term in our thinking. And so whenever the latest thing comes along, we tend to treat that latest thing as if that's the kind of be all and end all and then we put a full stop afterwards. But it usually takes us a while to realise that in most cases, actually, it's just a step in the journey. And, you know, personally, what I'd like to see is that organisations stop making that mistake and, and, and start looking more to you know, building a roadmap of, hang on, what are, what are some of the other steps that we need to go on? Because otherwise the challenge, of course, is that what you do in that initial step could turn out to be far less uh, fruitful uh, as you progress past that and into things like data sharing and data collaboration. You might then find that what you did in the open data steps that you took actually could have been done differently to better facilitate, you know, um, the, the overall journey. 
So open data has been of value, um, but it is uh, certainly not, uh, you know, the silver bullet, as I said. Data sharing has obviously emerged um, as well, and, and that's a good conversation to have. But again, we feel that um, that's uh, certainly a progression in diversity terms. The challenge is that um, open data represents the exposing of a set of data assets from one organization um, and, and really doesn't, uh, you know, fully contribute uh, to diversity and therefore the value that is derivable. Data sharing is a little bit uh, sort of closer uh, because data sharing represents the ability to more intentionally and in a more controlled way on demand share pieces of information and, and digital assets with external entities. Um, but again, we think that that falls short um, of where a lot of the value of, of data lies in terms of diversity. Last week, uh, Merrick, the Smart Cities Council hosted Digital Twin Week. We spent a week of um, discussing, debating, showcasing uh, sort of everything digital twins and um, it's 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 described as a as a data play you know it's about data um, and what was interesting throughout the week as the conversations evolved um, I felt that sort of you know towards the Thursday the, the penny was really starting to to drop for a number of people in that there was one comment made uh, from a state government representative that that very clearly sort of stipulated his his view and position on the digital twin, and that was that you just you don't go out and buy a digital twin, right? You, you don't just sort of buy one. Um, it's it's got elements of process uh, programming, um, lots of people issues around it that need to sort of be put in place. Um, so I'm feeling that that more and more, and I know we kind of knew this, but um, more and more the realisation that, you know, whilst we think we might sort of want one and it's like, oh, that's yeah. a data exchange. I want a data exchange. Yeah. Um, there, there's, there's this realisation that kind of the technology nor the data is really our problem. It's more people yeah. kind of issues does this does this resonate with the data exchange i mean if you were to put a if if you were to put a definition around data exchange uh, how, how sort of pointed do you get there in terms of it being a program versus a product versus a platform versus whatever else it might be and how would you define it yeah, look, that, that's a great point. And uh, yeah, there, there seems to be this continuing uh, tendency for uh, leaders and organisations to kind of point to the latest widget and go, we need some money, we've got to buy one of those. Um, and, and in so many cases over my entire career, I've seen that uh, there is an, an overestimation of the importance of technology. Um, to some extent, that's not completely true, but certainly there's, there's some truth to that and an underestimation of the soft elements, as we might call it, around the edges. Um, and so, you know, data exchange, which, uh, you know, to us is the manifestation of data collaboration as the step beyond data sharing, which is about kind of, you know, positioning organizations and the ecosystems within they operate, within which they operate, 
to most fully leverage the value of data through diversity. Um, data exchange is the manifestation of data collaboration, but data exchange is fundamentally a program. Yes, it does involve some underpinning technology and, and it could easily be shown that without that technology, uh, you know, the program's really going nowhere because frankly, it doesn't solve some of the challenges that we have, but that doesn't change the fact that fundamentally it is a, it is a program, right? And so, you know, our definition uh, for data exchange as kind of that practical view of what data, collabor data collaboration looks like is that, you know, it is, it's a program which um, leverages digital infrastructure. So that speaks to the fact that there has to be a technological basis uh, to enable uh, what the program is about. Um, um, and that the program supported by that enabling digital infrastructure uh, technology um, is, is, is there fundamentally to enable uh, deep, wide, uh, on-demand, agile, persistent uh, collaboration between uh, organizations and between the internal bits of organizations, frankly, which is something that organizations struggle with, uh, to create uh, collective and cumulative value. Um, so th that means that you end up with a 1 plus 1 plus 1 equals 27 uh, scenario. So, yeah, you know, uh, we've seen time and time again, stretching back many years now uh, in, in terms of public sector, uh, that uh, Copenhagen and Amsterdam and, and others um, have, have tried to implement these uh, kind of collaborative data exchange type programs. And they haven't led to a lot of success. And they have informed a lot of our thinking. So, so that was good. Uh, but, they, but they largely haven't worked. And, and I would argue the biggest reason they haven't worked is because there wasn't enough recognition of the importance of the program around which uh, the technology needs to work. Um, and that program fundamentally, you know, and I know you, like me, we kind of hate the word collaboration because it's kind of, we don't really see a lot of real examples uh, in the real world and haven't, you know, we, we've built a world of silos and, and that's kind of worked for us, but you know, the law of diminishing returns, the value in those silos is diminishing most of the value that is at stake now leading into, you know, the next three quarters of the digital century is outside of those silos and breaking down those silos between business units, between sectors, between organizations. And so, uh, you know, that means the program has to be collaborative. It has to be something that is, is something that is bought into uh, by the participating organizations, because if it's just government splashing out some cash and then sending everyone a login to a, a platform, yep, it's going nowhere. Okay, so I want to um, I want to not pivot for a moment, but just in listening to you there, Merrick, um, and noting that um, a, a, a fair portion of our audience is local government, municipalities, cities. Um, something, something sort of just, you know, struck me now, which is um, when we talk about programs, um, local government, municipalities are not... Uh, uh, are not sort of strangers to programs. Uh, they have mm -hmm. they have programs across all different types of 
topics and areas uh, and and change agendas. You know, there's there's been programs over the years to transform workplace health and safety, uh, environmental management systems, uh, quality assurance. Right. So um, cities actually do programs quite well. Um, so what I'm what I'm intrigued about, which I'd like your reaction to, is um, maybe maybe we make the data thing more scary than it needs to at times. You know, I hear from a lot of local authorities yeah. that, oh, we do, we you know we 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 know that we got to do the data thing and oh my God, we don't have a data scientist or a chief data officer on the team. And oh my God, we don't have the budget. And, you know, oh dear, oh, you know, like, uh, I, I wonder if we're, we're actually sort of making it out to be something bigger and scarier than it needs to be. Because when you, when you talk about data exchanges being a program and, um, and, and that word you use, data collaboration, I'm really interested in that one. It, it, it seems to me that data exchange could actually be a lot closer than what we think it is. Um, and yeah. um, it doesn't have to be as scary or risky. I mean, sure, security, privacy, ethics, ab absolutely. Okay, not taking any of those important fundamentals away. But in terms of an organisation, you know, internally starting to build a bit of culture and a bit of collaboration, mm. data collaboration, as you say, I wonder if it's actually within reach more than what we think it might be. Yeah, look, that is, that's probably the key point um, in this conversation. Um, you know, yes, there's, 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 there's kind of this fear out there and that's partly because data is this intangible thing partly because data to date has kind of been something that only the techies kind of understand and local governments are usually organisations that don't even have any of the techies that really understand it. Um, and there's also the political risk associated with kind of being on the front page of the newspaper because there's been some breach or other. So that, that's all completely understandable. But, you know, in our thinking about this whole challenge of democratising, one of the things we realized, and it's also just going back to the open and shared data, it's one of the things that's fundamentally wrong with those approaches, is that uh, government's role in data is actually, uh, we think, primarily uh, one that should sit quite comfortably. Um, and that's because government's primary role in, if you, if you take the digital world and data away for a moment, and you think about what it is that councils do with state governments and um, and federal governments, obviously, um, is they are enablers. That, that's their primary role. They're not kind of there for themselves. They're not there to kind of, I know it sometimes seems like it <laughs> when you read some of the headlines, stuff that goes on, but they are there as enablers. Uh, you know, when, when a community needs a road um, to be able to reduce travel times from the you know, local agribusiness operator to the newly built airport that is designed to provide, you know, um, a much more direct uh, and cost-effective, um, you know, uh, way of getting product to markets in Asia. Uh, well, that's what government does. Now, now yes, sometimes, you know, uh, private sector organisations are involved with that. But fundamentally, it's government's role to be an enabler. Now, when you think about the challenges of data, 
essentially we've got a type of market failure. Now, you know, there are private sector organizations that are doing, you know, uh, things with data uh, at some scale. Um, and, and that's great for them. The problem is, what about the rest of us? And if we're going to just sit there waiting for the rest of us uh, to kind of figure it out and get up to speed and get access to all the data we need, all the tech we need, all the tools we need, all the everything we need, well, it's just never going to happen. It's going to take way too long. So again, that, that uh, you know, ecosystem kind of cooperative type of approach uh, is important. But, but that, you know, somebody has to be an enabler to that, right? And so we think about the digital infrastructure and we intentionally use that language. We think about the digital infrastructure in a digital and data economy as being pretty much the same thing as the physical infrastructure enablers in a physical goods and services economy. And so government has a, a critical role um, to play in that uh, for a number of reasons. One, because that's what government does. Government is an enabler. Uh, two, because government needs to be indelibly involved in those ecosystems because, you know, and it's a problem with open data. If you just give your data to private sector, you know what they're going to do? And this is a good thing, by the way, but, you know, there are challenges with it. They're going to use that to make more money. That's what they're going to do. They're not going to use that to make a difference in the world. That's what the private sector does. And so if government's only role in, uh, you know, manif as manifested in open data and data sharing is, hey, what are we doing with our data? Well, then the government's kind of missing the point. Their primary, yes, figure out what you're going to do with your data. Yes, make it available to others. But do that in context of the fact that your primary role is as an enabler so that every other organization gets to participate in a program and collaborate in a platform um, where uh, within the ecosystems that they you know, operate within uh, to be able to uh, you know, have that um, kind of scalable extraction of value from data. So, so I think you know, the, the question you just asked is absolutely you know, the key one. This actually isn't scary. Uh, this is a lot closer to government's natural mandate uh, you know, than, than most, uh, most, most of them realize. Um, but there's a fine line there, as I said in the previous uh, point. Uh, you know, uh, uh, this has to be a collaboration. So, so government has to be a facilitator. They have to be an investor in shared infrastructure. They have to take part in the collaboration, but if they overpower the collaboration and from the private and third sector and, and, and everybody else, it seemed to be, well, that's just the council. They've bought this thing and they've developed this thing and they've implemented this thing and well, that's got nothing to do with us. Well, then we're kind of missing the point and our organizations, our businesses and our you know, uh, um, uh, other um, organizations will we'll continue to struggle to extract value from data. And that's not in our interest as, your, as, as the Smart Cities Council's study early in this pandemic showed uh you know there is a very strong need for access to data from all kinds of organizations including small business and if government doesn't have that well you know it's going to be pretty hard to respond uh to COVID-19 and and recover economically and and face into all of the other wicked challenges that we have which we're no closer to solving it sounds Merrick like a um and this is going to sound uh, a, a little bit challenging and overwhelming for cities that are listening, but it, it sounds like there's sort of no better time than exploring a data exchange program than, than now, given, mm. um, 
given sort of the the, the unique circumstances we we have and, and what they've what they've presented uh, i yeah. I'd, I'd only imagine that you know there's potentially greater levels of collaboration going on uh, just just when with cities responding to covid and and pulling together to to sort of try and help their communities um timing uh timing may be perfect um okay so let's um couple more questions merrick before we um we have to sign off and i want to go i want to go really big now and i want to scale scale up um scale up to our national government and you know we're based here in australia um as part of uh our federal government's response and investment in sort of COVID recovery and infrastructure investment and all those kind of things. Uh, Over the past month, there has been um, very clear signals from even our prime minister, Scott Morrison, that um, he, he sort of has a, has a vision that Australia, um, you know, will be a, globally leading digital economy, you know, by sort of 2050. So I, I, I want to ask you as sort of our second last question here to, to um, connect our data exchange conversation into the, the idea of digital economy. Uh, everyone wants a digital economy uh, at all levels of government. Um, very easy to say. Um, how critical and underpinning is this idea of data exchange to the concept of a digital economy. Oh, look, I couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't um, underestimate the importance um, of it because, because, as I said at the outset, this is the programmatic way that you democratise the power of data, and data is the essence of digital. Right? If your definition of digital economy is well, you know, we we have some companies that are startups that are building apps and that's great. They're making some money and employing some people and, and that's fine. Um, and then we have, you know, customers uh, deploying technology and they're getting some level of functional benefit from each of those technologies. Well, you're just not really fully understanding the value that is at stake. And so, you know, from a federal government point of view, the challenge is, as I said, if government is fundamentally an enabler, and that enablement must be in recognition of the fact that you have ecosystems and those ecosystems can be supply chains of private sector organizations. And, and they probably could be expected to set themselves up with these kind of programs and, and platforms, et cetera. You have research types of ecosystems, you know, all of the future focused uh, CRCs where they're, they're looking to collaborate in a far more agile way. Well, government probably needs to be involved in that. But then more broadly, you know, in that democratisation, you know, government has to be that enabler. And that, that, that enablement must be democratic, which means um, that, that, that there can be no boundaries. There can be no kind of invisible line in the sand. Because ultimately, one of the big pieces of value at stake here is not the value that it necessarily drives for the individual organization who will be building better products and delivering better services and, and competing more effectively and growing and so making more profit and paying more tax and therefore, you know, government will be making more money. Um, but also, you know, as a whole, their ecosystems and their sectors will be performing better. Um, but um, more broadly than that, one of the key roles here is that for the first time ever, we need to look to a world where governments and researchers 
need to be able to look across a whole economy and actually have the data to be able to seamlessly understand the deep interdependencies and the you know, performances um, so that they know what levers uh, are appropriate um, instead of having this you know, undata-driven, uh, more subjective approach, which is, well, we do what we've always been comfortable with uh, and subjectively we kind of hope that that works. Well, increasingly there's evidence to show that that's not going to work and, and we don't have the time. I mean, you think about economic recovery, this is something that according to a study in the US in March of this year is going to take 40 years. Um, now, even if you're really mm. an optimist and you say 20 years, well, governments and industry aren't used to dealing in 20 years and beyond the initial sugar hit investments of large infrastructure projects, what else are you going to do? And if you can't answer that question, well, that's the answer as to why you need data. We need data to help to shine a light on what that 20 or 30 or 40 year recovery looks like and what we should be doing and shouldn't be doing. So. So back to government's role, the federal government may be tempted because of historical responsibilities and accountabilities to say, ah, well, that's the states. Or, nah, well, that's local government. Mm. But the issue is that if we do not have a nationally federated program and supporting technology to be able to make this happen, then... We're driven by the federal government, which is where 85% or so of the public sector revenue sits, as you know, uh, we are going to have missed opportunities. And we've seen it time and time again, even in the smart technology space, where you've had three councils next to each other, each building a proprietary parking app. And then I, as Mr. Citizen, going to work in the morning pre-COVID and maybe one day after COVID, I have to, you know, and running errands along the way, I have to have three different parking apps to be able to do that. Well, that's just nuts. Right? It's not only inconvenient for me, but it means that the state and the federal government don't get a cohesive, holistic view of what's going on. And that is a significant part of the value here. So no, <laughs> no shortage of, uh, of challenges ahead of us, but in terms of uh, the opportunity, um, absolutely um, endless. And uh, I, I've loved this conversation with you, Merrick, in that um, it has uh, broken down this idea of data exchange. Um, it's um, it's uh, it's provided a line of sight to potentially existing da open data and data sharing programs. Um, ultimately, it, it sort of has its eye on the horizon as an underpinning element of a digital economy. And, and sort of in some way wrapped up and described as a program which shouldn't be too uh, too scary for our for our mm -hmm. cities and, and municipalities so I appreciate uh, appreciate that conversation we've had can I uh, just ask you as a final question I'd love to I'd love to know what uh, what sort of the next you know 12 months look like for you what are you mm -hmm. excited about? Um, you know, what, what, what's coming up that, um, you know, you, you're really looking forward to? So, Adam, uh, that, uh, that gives me an opportunity really to finish off uh, what I've been ranting about, uh, you know, and that's getting practical. Uh, yes, this is kind of a, 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 an ocean of almost limit, limitless, you know, value um, at stake. But what I want to see is, and what I am seeing, is organizations starting to take steps in this direction. 
uh, starting to take very practical steps to recognize that, hey, you know, we understand what the vision looks like and we understand the steps. We know where does open data fit into that? Where does shared data fit into that? And what is data, what is data collaboration and, and how do we kind of, you know, build that roadmap? But let's start taking some bite-sized chunks. Let's identify some compelling issues uh, where there is a shared purpose, which is fundamentally what these ecosystems of engagement are about, um, a shared appetite and desire to solve a common problem or leverage a common opportunity for mutual benefit. And let's go engage a small group of proactive cross-sector leaders uh, in our sector or in our geography, in our city, in our community, in our region, maybe groups of them, and let's, uh, you know, consult uh, some experts, uh, get some advice on what this looks like and how this needs to be crafted. And by the way, those experts need to be involved in the program. You know, this business of, well, here's some technology, you know, um, and we, we have, you know, exclusive rights to uh, a fantastic piece of technology as an enabler that's used by many of the world's largest data producers in their ecosystems. And, and we've brought that to Asia Pacific. That's great, but if we just give that to you and go, there you go, have fun with that, we're not really you know, helping. Uh, we need to be indelibly involved in the program. So, so, so you know, start having conversations about identifying that shared purpose. Start identifying who is that core group, who are those, those champions who might be the proactive organizations in your city or your region, uh, you know, what are the alliances you need to build around this, this thing? You know, there might be SPVs, special purpose vehicles involved in setting up the kind of governance around this. And, I, and, I, and I, when I say governance, I don't mean, you know, 1980s and 90s governance. I mean, light, agile kind of framework stuff. Um, and, and, and start getting going with this. Um, there's no reason that you can't, uh, you can't do that. Largely, the technologies uh, on offer, for example, we have... Uh, an existing platform that is hosted on AWS in Sydney, so no data sovereignty issues. And we, we onboard organizations onto that within a week or two. Um, and, and then after a period of six months or a year or whatever, uh, you know, fairly low commercial barrier to entry, when they start, you know, uh, finding their, 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 their rhythm and their stride, um, then they are able to invest in a private label instance that can be branded for them, can be customizable, can bring a whole range of monetization opportunities, which incidentally then are used to fund the program. So this great kind of, you know, self-licking ice cream situation. That's what I want to see happen. And we are seeing that. Uh, we're having very strong conversations with some organizations who are leading that thinking, um, you know, and, and, and in, importantly, those organizations are realizing that they have to own the program. They have to, they have to drive it. They have to build, uh, you know, uh, kind of, you know, um, organ, uh, in, ecosystems of engagement around shared purpose and have that program because, you know, us just giving you a login to some technology isn't going to do anything. So that's what I want to see next year. I'm really excited about it. You know, for me, that, that is, that is how we change what we call the dichotomy of data that you pointed out in the beginning, where, where data is all at once uh, potentially the most uh, available um, you know, resource we have and also um, you know, the most important resource we have, but the dichotomy is that it's also the most underutilized resource we have. And we really have to change that. And that's, that's something that we all have to kind of take a hold of and, and, and start walking towards.
Well, I, I love how you um, you sort of led that response, Merrick, with uh, with sort of you know doing and action. Uh, I think um, I, I think your optimism uh, is is certainly shared with many others. And look, you've helped us really uh, break down and uh, you know make uh, make the idea of building a data exchange program you know potentially less scary than maybe what we what we thought. So, uh, Merrick, um, really appreciated you joining us on the Chronicles today. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for your time uh, and, and look forward to chatting again soon. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Just one quick call out before I go. Um, yeah, we, we have uh, uh, written up some uh, some of our thoughts uh, that we'll be releasing out there yet to decide how we will do that around this role of government conversation. Um, and then also we are probably a week or two away from releasing our white paper um, on, on uh, data exchange, and that's called Data Exchange Digital Infrastructure for a Data Economy, a guide to digital collaboration. So for all your listeners out there, look out for that. We'll be releasing those as, uh, as pieces of information that we hope will serve uh, you know, um, the, the, the task of creating awareness and, and generating excitement so that we can start producing some of these results. Well, that's that's brilliant, Merrick. That um, a resource like that is going to be available. We will make sure that we get it up on the Center for Data Leadership website. Um, so, for our listeners, uh, you can head to uh, our uh, da- uh, Center for Data Leadership Initiative uh, website, which is centerfordataleadership.com. Uh, and again, for our listeners, we've been chatting with Merrick Spain, who is CEO of Civic Analytica. Uh, For those uh, of you listening that aren't subscribing to the Chronicles, uh, encourage you to do so. You can head to your favourite podcast platform to sign up. Just search for the Smart Cities Chronicles. You can also head to our website, smartcitychronicles.com. My name is Adam Beck, host of the Chronicles. We look forward to bringing you another episode very soon. Have a fantastic day. Stay optimistic. Thanks for joining.